I do believe that we are in this society where we are supposed to scale and it is all about fast and immediate growth and scale. And if you aren't at scale, then you're not succeeding. I just am a firm believer of wanting to question that. You can also be an incredibly successful person just by being a good human yeah. <laughs> um, and being a good human and, again, a good friend, a good daughter, sister, wife, girlfriend, whatever. And I think that the success of our brand, the followers we have, the whatever it is, shouldn't be a barometer for our success. I mean, that's bottom line, right? I'm Alison Rice and welcome to another edition of I'm Offline With, produced by Studio Offline and in partnership with a conscious founder, brand or entrepreneur whose experience or story will help us on our way. This episode is produced in partnership with David Jones and features one of Australia's most exciting emerging fashion leaders, Charlotte Hicks. We recorded live in the front window of David Jones's Burke Street store just a week after Charlotte's brand, SA Studios, won the Virgin Australia Melbourne Fashion Festival National Designer Award, which is presented by David Jones. I was thrilled when this opportunity came up because Charlotte is a long-time listener of Offline and actually came to my very first event in Sydney. So it's my honour to share her and the important work she's doing with you. SA Studios exists in part as an example of what an aware fashion brand should look like today. Released biannually, SA is seasonless and doesn't adhere to trends. Instead, Charlotte designs thoughtful additions. Each edition builds on the one before it to create a high-performing wardrobe for today's modern woman. For us. In this honest conversation, Charlotte shares the way she thinks about fashion and design. This includes her values-based approach to building a brand, what sustainability and transparency look like in practice, and how she's thinking about growth for a business that has self-imposed limits. I hope this episode helps aspiring designers or even established brands think more deeply about being the change. You can shop SA online at sastudios.com or stop by DJs to see its National Designer Award collection on display. It's located on the ground floor in the Designer Accessories section. Please enjoy this special episode of I'm Offline With in partnership with David Jones and featuring the wonderful and pioneering Charlotte Hicks. I feel like this is the wine that we've been wanting to have, (laughs) minus the wine in the front window of David Jones. (laughs) (laughs) It's quite surreal, definitely. Not how I expected our little chat to go. (laughs) No, so I mean, context for everyone listening is we've been trying to get together for quite a long while (laughs) and it never seems to line up with schedules. And then I became a complete recluse in Bondi (laughs) and you kind of went into your own little started a business and went exactly "Ah, time. What's that? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. So when the opportunity came up to sit down and have an honest conversation with you, 
in the front window of David Jones, no less. I was like, that feels fitting for us. I feel like (laughs) if we're going to do this, we're really going to be here. So I'm thrilled because I'm obviously a big fan of yours personally. Thank you. Um, But your brand as well and everything it stands for. So um, first things first, you won the Virgin Australia Melbourne Fashion Festival National Designer Award, (laughs) which is presented by DJs. You're following in the footsteps of, and I'll do the roll call, Dion Lee, Tony Manicheski, Romance Was Born, and those beautiful girls at PE Nation. The first question I have is how does it feel to be a part of, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say like Australian fashion history, <laughs> like those are big established brands. Like how are you feeling? Um, well, I think... <laughs> First things first, people probably can't really hear the giant smile that's on my face. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I mean, it's such an honour, really. I kind of don't really have too many words. I mean, legitimately speechless. I was so shocked when they announced it and I think it's such an honour, I think, to be... I suppose, recognised by the industry um, more than anything. I've given so much of my life and lots of sacrificing to the industry itself, even prior to starting SA. So I sort of feel like for me it's kind of brings a nice warm feeling (laughs) more than anything just because of so much time and effort and blood, sweat and tears that I have given to my past and everything. And now obviously what comes with that, the the recognition. Mm -hmm. Um, So like validating in a lot of ways. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Because we never see ourselves as the winners, do we? I mean, maybe some people do, but I think I feel like we have different industries, but a like-minded story in that we've always kind of been the behind the scenes person. And so I don't think you ever will see yourself as the front page of a brand in a way. So, oh my God. That's yeah. exactly, exactly Talk it. Talk to me about that. Like, how is it like in your identity now of like, oh my God, I think, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. I think, you know, I've been part of the engine room for over 10 years, you know, and you are, you know, working so hard and I think there, you know, a lot of people just don't understand the teams behind the faces of these brands, you know, and I have always been in that team behind the scenes. So for me, the challenge was always going to be that I'm now, you know, at the front, on the front line, but I still see myself as that, you know, hardworking (laughs) person in the engine room making things happen. So, it's also quite ironic in the sense that, you know, you still have to keep the business going day to day. So there's still fires you've got to put out with every high, there's sort of a low happening at the same time. So you really have to stop and pinch yourself and kind of just take a moment and just go, oh my God, this is happening. And I'm really making a conscious effort to just catch myself and go, oh, hang on a second. (laughs) We talk about like, I know it's like quite a generalization, but like particularly for women, the challenge that we have with sitting in our own success. Mm. Mm. And I think a lot of that is that we might not necessarily have defined success for Mm. ourselves. So when Mm. we arrive at the place that other people perceive to be success, we're like, Mm. oh, Mm. is this it? Mm. It doesn't feel any different way. Yeah, totally. But it's that doing that internal work, I guess, to kind of sit in it and feel it. Oh my God, I uh, totally. And I couldn't, it actually is really, really topical. And I've sort of been having a lot of 
chats with myself about that. Like I've never been one who's been very good at, I don't even know what the word is, but yeah, having, not that I've not had successes, that's not the right sort of way to phrase it, but I've just never been good at being that person. You know, I'm sort of, I'm so about wanting everybody to succeed and everybody's hard work to be recognized. So because I don't work any harder than all those other beautiful brands that I was alongside the other finalists. So I've never been very good at sort of being that winner per se in the context of this award. A winner. As an example. You're a winner. <laughs> See, I still do it. You're a winner. <laughs> I'm like, oh, and no, no, no. Maybe part of it and like what I understand from your background, which I want to talk about soon, and I have this with like Who What Wear and Pop Sugar, like when you're the person who is executing on somebody else's vision and you pride yourself on your ability to mm. do that, mm. Mm. Yeah, it's just an entirely different way of being in the world mm. to totally sitting in that leader role. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So um I think it'll mm. take me, you know, probably a few years to kind of shake that off, you know. Mind you, the upside is it does give me a little bit of detachment from the brand in the sense because I'm constantly sort of questioning what's right for the brand mm-hmm. um and I think you know there's going to be the, versus me yeah, totally yeah. and sort of takes and to be honest with you probably taking my ego out of it sometimes and making decisions based on and I do ask myself is this a decision based on me versus the brand or my ego versus what's right for the business so I think you know you do have to have that little bit of detachment as well as the product as well you know you've got to always think about your woman and your customer and by extension the brand and the values and the message behind the brand so I do still sometimes look at the brand as that entity out there yeah that it kind of lives in its own yeah yeah yeah, whilst it is an extension of me totally um one of the questions I had from you and I guess there's a few different ways to ask this but what does winning an award like this mean for SA like I feel like there might be a perhaps assumed trajectory, but like what's coming up for you? Like what opportunity does this present for you? What conversations does it open up perhaps? Yeah. Look, first things first, it's an incredible honour, you know, as I've said, to be awarded this for sure. I think, you know, it's you can plan the growth of your brand to a certain point, but then there is obviously going to be these spanners beautiful spanners that you know throw themselves in the works and you do have That's to a nice kind of way beautiful <laughs> spanners, beautiful spanners. <laughs> i've got a few beautiful spanners at the moment yeah <laughs> i think you do have to sort of allow for that organic growth at the same time or that organic journey growth maybe not so much the word because sometimes it can be you know big on and small so just that kind of organic journey I think and you have to allow for that and I think at this phase of the business it's really interesting and exciting because you, you know I do plan weeks and obviously the, the way fashion works is you do plan your calendar you know quite far in advance but you know these things happen and you just kind of have to ride these waves and you know be nimble and react so I think the trajectory for the brand you know obviously this is incredible because it will just slingshot the brand just in terms of getting it out there, getting my message out there, you know, just getting my product in the hands of more people potentially too, you know, just enabling me to to spread that message, which is really beautiful. And, you know, I think just to reach the women I want to reach is really important. So definitely that will aid yeah, and facilitate. Isn't it? Because like I think about that through the lens of building a 
what am I building? A digital media business? Yeah. Actually, no, I'm not building a media business. <laughs> I've been there, done that. That didn't work. <laughs> RIP. Yeah. But I do think about that in the same way as like, yeah, it's just an interesting thing to say there is a thousand different ways this could go. Totally. And I just need to be unattached to any outcome, but mm-hmm. I just need to be in the totality of every opportunity and every experience mm-hmm. and then explore that through my own integrity and then make decisions through there. So totally. um, I appreciate you. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I didn't know if there would be an answer to that question. Yeah. But what it does, I guess, is it just enables you to get your message in front of more women and sometimes we need a certain type of scale to be able to do that. I we can only be totally, like niche for so long. I totally. I was just about to say that. Yeah. I think, you know, there's there's always that beautiful balance with scale. You want it to you want to reach the right audience so that you have the platform to spread your message and educate and inform and talk to the people that, you know, who might not necessarily have been able to touch your product, but you want them to. So it's definitely the I call it mindful scale. Yeah. Um, I remember I went and saw um, Sophia Amoruso speak at a Business Chicks event a few years ago Mm -hmm. now and it was just the most intense timing for her because she was in the country the same day that Nasty Gal had been, I think it went bankrupt or went into liquidation. Mm. It was a really difficult time for her to be on stage speaking about how she grew a brand that no longer was in her hands. And the advice that she gave was that what she's learned is that it's important for female founders to stay in control of their businesses. So investment isn't always necessarily the way to do that. And also um, there is such a thing as scaling thoughtfully Mm. and think about what that means Mm. for your brand. It actually gives me a little tingle saying that because it stayed with me. I wrote it in the notes section of my phone. And it's been one of those kind of guiding principles and it sounds like you, you know, kind of feel the same way. Oh, absolutely. I think, I mean, that's exactly it. I think um, two responses to that. First things first, you know, I like to call it sustainability in the sense of emotional sustainability, you know, creating a business is one thing, creating a fashion business another thing in the sense that it is really demanding. Do you know what? Manufacturing product in general is really demanding, especially with everything that's going on globally right now. I think it is magnifying even more the challenges of manufacturing product. All our supply chains have been completely rattled in the past couple of weeks. And I think, you know, finally people are really understanding how challenging it can be just getting an idea from your head to market and the various people and the hands that that goes through wherever you're manufactured, you know, in Australia or or globally, there's a knock-on effect. So it's challenging. So I think for me, going back to the original question, I think for me to, you know, sustainably grow this business and I don't just mean the environmental impact, I mean emotionally sustainable for myself as a person. You know, I think I'm still a woman in my mid-30s. I still want to make sure that I am a good wife, a good friend, a good daughter, a good sister, <laughs> you know, all those things. And I still want to be balanced in my approach and you can get completely gobbled up and consumed by the industry as well as just starting a business. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just trying to find that balance, I think. But I'm a firm believer in if you do stay true to that, you know, you will build something for longevity. You know, obviously 
emotionally as well more than yeah. anything it's something that you can sustain you know and not completely burn yourself yeah. out which is something that I'm very passionate about <laughs> I was just about to say I'm really passionate about, about it <laughs> <laughs> um I want to talk more about your brand, of course, but I thought it might be really interesting for the women listening who are either building their own fashion brand and mm. as- maybe aspiring designers. Can we talk about your background? And I actually had a very similar conversation with Pip Edwards mm. and we've had lots of chats on the back of that episode that people have this assumption that you just woke up one day and <laughs> decided to design a label and then all of a sudden you win this award and so with PE it's the same sort of thing. Mm-hmm when she spoke about the depth of her experience Mm. and the decades she's had in the industry and what Mm. she'd learned and how she applied those learnings to the business she's building now, you know, you come up for me straight away when I think about that. So tell us what you've done before. And I will remind you of this question so you don't forget, but I'd also love to learn like how important have those apprenticeships been to the business that you're building today? Yeah. Well, firstly, I do have so much time for those two beautiful women, um, Pip and Claire, for a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, actually. Um, My first internship (laughs) outside of university was with Claire. (laughs) So um, we're still really good mates, which is really lovely. So, you know, I have a lot of respect and admiration for those girls. Um, At a high level, I think that there are minimal barriers to entry for starting a fashion brand. So there is this sort of assumption that you do kind of wake up and decide you want to do it, like with a lot of things these days. But that's beautiful too because, hey, everybody's having a go and everyone should have a go. And um, sometimes they'll probably come at things from a different angle and, you know, even question and um, make us question and challenge our approach to things too, which is really interesting because they might come at things from, you know, be at a different marketing angle or a different business angle. So I think it's important to really learn from the people who are coming at this from all different angles. But yeah, definitely. I mean, I started, I studied fashion design. I really took that traditional designer approach. I studied fashion design for four years. I graduated from university with the graduate collection. Um, Definitely that traditional sort of more formal training. Um, Started as an intern, yes, with Claire, doing all the the small odd jobs. I went on to spend a little bit of time as design assistant at Zimmerman, worked with, you know, those beautiful women, and then went on to a few other roles, a few other brands that actually some don't exist anymore that was smaller, cut my teeth on, you know, small brands, mid-sized brands. And and then I went on to a bigger role at Sass and Bide where I spent sort of six years and that was sort of my biggest, latest sort of stint. So I actually, funnily enough, <laughs> worked very closely with Pip and I was actually Claire's maternity cover. That's how I started. Wow, so <laughs> yeah. from her intern. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, which was really cool. Oh, so that's I, a bit um, of a bit of a story. I, like I yeah. actually <laughs> I actually sort of haven't even spoken about that. But yeah, that's kind of how I started at Sass and by Claire kind of um, I love a little Claire, offline exclusive. That's a, that's a little offline <laughs> exclusive. Um she'll laugh. I'll have to message her and be like, by the way, <laughs> this is coming. <laughs> um but yeah, I mean the beautiful part of Sass and Bide and you know, I mean Pip said it to work under those two great mentors was, you know, more than I could ever ask for. I think just understanding, yeah, it definitely kind of taught me so much about my own creativity and really brought so much of that out of me. But kind of in parallel to that, I think what 
was so inspiring working at Sass and Bide was just the kind of business they created. I'm really passionate about creating a, a beautiful business, you know what I mean, with a great team and a really good culture. I think that's something that I'm it sort of doesn't get talked about enough, but this industry is is crazy. It's a wild ride and I've been in the thick of it, you know, 10 years ago, starting off as a total junior. And, you know, there's, there's always politics. There's always emotion with a bunch of women in a <laughs> in business. Oh, yeah. And um, I'm really passionate about creating a business that has a beautiful culture. Um, and that's something that the girls taught me. You know, we all loved coming to work and that was really inspiring. So definitely learned a lot from those six years there. So, yeah, yeah so it's interesting, like, you wouldn't, well, you'll, you'll answer this for me. Would you be able to be doing what you're doing today without having had those experiences inside other people's businesses? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. Sorry to go back to your original second part of your question. Short answer is no. I feel like what I learned over the 10 years in the industry really just informed so much about where I am today. I Obviously, from the technical part of me, the designer in me, just really understanding fit, product, fabrication and supply chain, you know. Supply chain is a huge part of what we do. So that's a really dumb question. Oh my God, go. What does that mean? <laughs> what is supply chain? <laughs> um, sorry, should have been more specific. It's basically just everybody involved in making your product happen, bring your product to life. So, you know, I mean, your product comes from an idea in your head, a sketch or whatever it is. And it's just, it goes through so many hands to help it come to be. So you've got, I work with beautiful pattern makers and I work with my fabric suppliers. And then I've got all my machinists and my cutters and all these people that are involved in the process. So basically your supply chain is just everybody it touches along the way. So without my kind of experience, I suppose, well, I should say that my experience really helped me work on building a really solid supply chain, building the foundations there because that can be quite a challenge. And if something breaks, make or break, yeah. totally, if something breaks, you know, can really upset the apple cart. So, yeah, definitely that experience helped with that side of the business. But then actually the biggest part about it and what kind of carved this brand out is, you know, my response and reaction to the 10 years that I've had working in the industry. So, you know, that really informed the kind of business I wanted to have and the type of values I wanted SA to be, to be built on. The VAMP National Designer Award presented by David Jones encourages excellence within the fashion industry. It focuses on designers in their first five years who are innovating, have high quality manufacturing standards, and who have the potential to contribute to the future growth of Australian fashion. The award includes prizes that would be extremely helpful to any young business, including a cash payment of $10,000, return flights to LA, and business advisory services across legal, finance, product development, and publicity. As the founder of a slow, ethical and sustainable brand, I wanted to know if Charlotte felt a sense of validation in winning this award, particularly given all of the things she's chosen to say no to along the way. 
I guess the biggest thing for me is that I really wanted to create a business that really challenged and re- made us all rethink our approach to fashion and my approach as a business to fashion. What comes with that is always going to be people who, you know, that might not necessarily accept the way you're doing things or they work in a certain way. So if you want to be, you know, in partnership with them, they may or may not accept it. So it's sort of sometimes, you know, it's it's pretty scary. It's scary when you know how you could conform preach this yeah yeah, yeah. I yeah, think that's coming up for me major I was just moment. about yeah. to say I feel yeah. like there's definitely yeah. some I'm not supposed to talk about there. myself too much blah 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 <laughs> but I'm ha- no, I, I have so many questions I want to ask yeah you. no and like you know it's oh god <laughs> yeah. it's so hard I am trying not to pay attention to the people who say I talk too much on my own podcast <laughs> It'd be pretty boring if I didn't speak I think um, <laughs> but that wine we were supposed to have these was, are conversations I was like I'm gonna ask you these a bunch of questions with that wine yeah. we were supposed to have yeah um <laughs> And I did speak a little bit about to Vic about this as well in my last interview. Oh, I love her. You just love her. <laughs> um, you know, there's days where you wake up and you go, what are you doing? Like I think the big theme that's been coming up for me is, is my integrity getting in the way of me building a viable business? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, so it's great. So you're going to be profiled as being this sort of like, you know, very thoughtful, hopefully people are saying that, bloody hell, mm. um, ethical business, mm-hmm. but are you going to have $0 in the bank? Um, it's big, right? But then I think about us sitting here right now and it's these times that I start to believe that taking a slower approach is always going to be the right way. I mm. want to build a 10-year business mm. at least. Mm. And so in order to do that, mm. there's a lot I have to say no to. Mm. But I am left wondering some days mm. when I see opportunities that I've declined that other people pick up mm-hmm. and I just go, oh, God. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. You know, especially, and I know that like, you have a team and I have a couple of really key people that mm. help me. It's still very lonely. Oh, totally. You know. Totally. To not be able to have that, you know, and perhaps we should have the wine. We should just yeah. frequently. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. I mean, there's so much I could say again about that whole topic. As long as you're not making decisions based out of fear for not growing, mm. you know, based out of fear of success or that idea yeah, of yeah. that idea of being that person who has succeeded. Because I think as women, we are all kind of preconditioned to keep a cap and keep ourselves keep ourselves, keep, small. keep ourselves small and you know as long as the decisions that you're making are not based out of that like am I not jumping on those opportunities because I'm scared to be too big because if I'm too big what does that mean does that mean people won't relate to me or people will feel intimidated by me or whatever I mean I'm getting a little bit mm-hmm. more like this is this is I'm uh, the nodding yeah this yeah. is like a you and me conversation less yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. definitely, and and every day, you know, I have those. Um, am I keeping a lid on myself and my business for fear of all of that? Um, and will I not be seen as sort of niche and considered? Absolutely, if I'm operating at more of a mass mentality. Absolutely, and, and then that sort of leads into the next part of this whole conversation is that I do believe that we are in this society where we are supposed to scale and it is all about fast and immediate growth and scale and if you you aren't at scale then you're not succeeding and I just 
am a firm believer of wanting to question that. Um, you can also be an incredibly successful person just by being a good human yeah. <laughs> and being a good human and, again, a good friend, a good daughter, sister, wife, girlfriend, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think that the success of our brand, the followers we have, the whatever it is shouldn't be a barometer for our success. I mean, that's mm-hmm. bottom line, right? But I think now I'm totally just circling around and I've kind of mm. forgotten what I was going to say but in the first place. this is the thing, I think it's the deprogramming. It's the deprogramming. Yeah. You're yeah. right. Um, Every day having totally, to deprogram. Totally. Like, I need to turn the channel off yeah. and get back to what it is I set out to do here. Totally. Yeah. And which you're taking me right back to the point that I, that's my job. That, thanks. Um, <laughs> you know, it is really what I sort of am saying no to that um, has kind of got me to where I am. So, you know, it is very, when I say easy, easy in inverted commas to create a huge collection that's got X amount of pieces in it and, you know, that I'm used to designing big giant collections like that and then you wholesale them like crazy and then you spread the word and then you grow and slowly but surely, you know, there's, you know, more cash coming into the business because... Um, the interest, is, the there, interest is there and you've got enough product out there and enough people talking about you and all of a sudden you're, you know, you get heaps of people wearing it and you spread the word and that's sort of one way to do it. Nothing wrong with that. But that's the traditional model that I've been a part of. So for me it was to take a step back from all of that and absolutely quite often I'm like, oh, my God, have I done have the I done right thing? Wrong. Have I done it? Because I think <laughs> what we know for sure is – it is not sustainable. We cannot keep going that way. And so it takes, I think, quite courageous women like you to say no more. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, the the balance of it is hard. That's the challenge. That's the sweet spot. I'm a firm believer in there being a balance. You know, you there is still the commercial ramifications of wanting to build a business. Mm. So you can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's been such a pleasure and an honour to coach some incredible women who are coming through with really considered brands and fashion brands in particular. I hear their frustrations on our calls about obviously the time in terms of investment, the money in terms of investment to run a business ethically and sustainably. What advice do you have for them? Like there's, you know, one or two in particular where they're kind of at a point where they're saying, do I keep going or not? Because I don't want to do it the other way, but I'm not getting the cut through this way. So what advice do you have maybe that they can draw down on in the moment when they just want to close the laptop and say, (laughs) I'm done here? (laughs) Oh God. I mean, that it's a hard question. I think, you know, you have your set values and every day, every decision that you have to make, you've really got to go back and check it against those set values for sure. But it really is about questioning the kind of business that you want to build, you know. And for me, I like the idea of having a team of beautiful people that work for SA, that enjoy coming to work and that love coming to work. And so for me, if this business grows, then I can have that. So that will help me facilitate that vision. And then obviously bigger than that and on a more sort of macro level is that I would like to build an audience that I can help sort of inform and sort of spread a little bit of a message to. So the only way I'm going to build a business is if I grow 
you know, and I scale. So again, it's this sort of idea of like growing thoughtfully. Sorry, I'm kind of going off topic, but back to what advice I can give to. No, um, that was really to, valuable, yeah. yeah, I think that it is just going to be a balance. That's it. You still need to stay true to you. And I think integrity is the key word here. You know, you still need to stay true to you. You still need to lie in bed at night knowing that you made the right decision, you know, and that decision, it's still got to feel right instinctively. If it doesn't feel right, then don't pursue it. If it doesn't feel right in that instant, then it's not going to feel right in six months' time when you're feeling disgusting. Feeling and really, yeah, and totally. I have so, those conversations with my husband. Well, like, <laughs> late at bed in night, at that bed, <laughs> in bed at night, and I'm like, I know I made the right decision. I'm like, but did I? <laughs> oh, and I you think know, those husband com- conversations, or those you know partner conversations, yeah. or whatever your girlfriend's conversations, you know, I'm lucky to have be able to have a conversation with my husband but they're they're interesting conversations to have because I think men and this is probably again a bit of a you and me <laughs> conversation but I think men have a very different mindset they're very and pragmatic, aren't they? they're so pragmatic yeah. and they've got a very different view about scale and and growth and that whole idea mm. of sort of a less is more approach, you know, that they've definitely got their opinions on that too. So, but this is what I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. It's brands like yours and women mm-hmm. like you. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to slide myself into that as well. I hope is the emotional intelligence yeah. that we bring to how we think about business. That's what excites me about the me next too. five years. Me too. And there's a whole host of others around us mm. and coming through. Mm. There's a um, shift for sure. Oh, it's here. Yeah. I'm so yeah. excited about yeah. it. Me yeah. too. Me too. And I think yeah. the more of us doing it, you know, and we're all doing it together. The and less I think niche. The less, you know, becomes, that's it. Yeah. That's it. And I think the more sort of the the easier it is to have more conversations mm. about it. And I think also too just, I mean, poignant, it's international Women's, you know, week, women's week last week, yeah. Um, you know, they're just this whole idea of us balancing it out with the rest of our lives mm-hmm. as well, you know, whatever, you know, your personal life has, we still have a lot to juggle. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I think we've the more of us having that conversation about balance and juggling all the things that we need to juggle, mm-hmm. um, I think the better for the industry and, yeah. and, you know, women in business as a whole. Mm-hmm. Yes, because the more developed we are in other areas of our lives, the better leaders we are, the smarter mm. business that we do. Totally, um, totally. Can we talk about sustainability, which we kind of loosely have been, but let's just kind of mm. dive in there. Mm. I don't know if I can say this, but I feel like sustainability is a bit on trend. Oh, totally. Right? Okay, so good. So I can yeah, say that. because I was can like, say that. Mm. Yeah. So we need to have more honest and educational conversations that take it from or the way I'm thinking about it is mm-hmm. how do we take it from buzzword and take it to operational excellence? How does it become something that is like in practice? Oh, totally. Versus we're just talking about it. And so I want to quote you, which I think I found on your website. <laughs> this um, is so weird. Someone's quoting me. <laughs> and I quote, my philosophy as a designer and my approach to sustainability has always been make sure you are better than the last. I want to ask you what you mean by that because I think there's a lot of brands who are scared to talk about sustainability because they don't see their businesses as sustainable. What I'm getting from that is you're saying it's just the attempt to be better and better than the last time before. Yeah, totally. And it is a big scary 
topic. It's scary to talk about. It's very on trend. I think, unfortunately, it has become such a muddy word that it do sort of, oh, sustainability. It's such a, I don't like talking about it in the sense because I do firmly believe it should be, I think it's our job, it's our role as businesses in this day and age. It should be woven into everything I do. It should just be a non-negotiable. It's not an initiative. It's not an initiative. It should be a non-negotiable. That said, I think the word is such a huge, complex, multi-layered word and I think every brand's going to define it differently. Absolutely, that quote of mine is really what you said. I think it is such a new frontier on so many levels. If we're talking specifically about the supply chain, which people sort of the first thing people do think about when they do say the word sustainability is fabrications and all that sort of stuff. So we're talking more about supply chain here. So I think it is really about every business that I work with in my supply chain is undergoing their own due diligence. So it's about me working with them to educate each other and stay at the forefront of it and stay aware of it and be better. We're all going to learn more with every year that passes. We're all going to learn better ways of doing things because there's there's also technology that's going to advance, that's going to enable, that is already enabling us to make better decisions, to produce better fabrics. So it is just about staying nimble and about reacting to what's going on. And if you find, and just constantly be investigating, if you find something better, if you find a better way of, find a better fabric or whatever it might be, then use it and constantly just be reevaluating. Is there a better way of doing things? So that's definitely kind of woven into the supply chain, I suppose you could say. So is that like, I'm just thinking even for like designers or fashion brands, new or old, that are thinking Mm. like, how do we be here in a a meaningful, intentional way? Mm. What's coming up for me is like this need to move away from perfection because Mm. we're not going to be perfect. But if we're pursuing this perfection, we're just not going to get anything done. So is your view just, is that continual evolution? Absolutely. I think that's the biggest thing that we can say is that I'm going to call it out. We're creating product. Nothing about what we do is ultimately sustainable. We are creating something from nothing. So that in itself is putting something on this planet that wasn't here before. Mm. So if you look at it like that, nothing we are doing is sustainable. Um, And look, here I am saying that I'm some sustainable brand and that this brand's got this sort of messaging, but I'm calling it out. And I think the biggest thing is just being goddamn honest about it, you know, just talking about it, talking about the industry as it stands at the moment, talking about ways that we can improve it. Like I think it just should be about having more conversations about it because the more conversations we have about it, the more conversations customers are going to start or consumers are going to start having about it. So they're just going to become a little bit more informed and ask questions themselves. Mm. And then what they wear becomes a statement of their own belief system. Absolutely. There is um, an incredible brand in Melbourne, mm self-practice. Have you seen her or heard of her? Yes. Yeah. Started with merch and is now sort of really thinking about how she can be additive in this space. She gifted me a t-shirt and the tag that came on it, it said wearable activism. Mm. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And that I love that too. And I messaged her and I said, I love that Mm. bloody label. Good for you. And that's what comes up for me with Mm. essay. It's like by wearing it, it says something about who I am 
and what I believe in and then they become, it's true, they become advocates for you and an advertisement in a way because they're out educating this is why I wear this brand and this is what it means. It's very meaningful. Side note. Makes me a little bit teary just thinking that. Yeah. Oh, I feel fragile. So I might cry. (laughs) I think I feel fragile also. I think this is, I mean, you know, this is just such a humbling experience, full stop for me. But to hear someone say that, like, that's a pinch Mm. myself kind Mm. of moment. I mean, the fact that someone wants to buy into my ethos and wear it and feel that they're saying something Mm -hmm. about themselves. I mean, that's why I. You're doing it. That's you doing it. Like, whoa. It was at this point we got to Charlotte's creative vision for Essay. She releases editions, which she describes as refined and sustainable capsule wardrobes for the modern woman. The pieces are designed to be worn together, and each edition can be worn with the one before it. It's very defined and intentional, so I was curious to learn if it started out that focused, or if she refined her brand proposition as she went along. Well, I mean, I think it kind of goes back to the conversation before. I think, you know, you can have sustainability built into the supply chain, but my approach was all always about baking it into the whole concept of product releases, but also just trying to bake it into every part of the brand. And obviously, by extension, the type of product I design, the way I design, the way I release the products, there is a slightly more sustainable, in inverted commas, way to, you know, approach to how I design. So, you know, when I talk about what sustainability means to me, it means to the brand, it's definitely, you know, a part of the brand itself and the values, obviously, and the product releases. So I always knew I wanted to start a brand that was a little bit different. You know, obviously this was the end goal for me, but I knew I wanted to do it in a different way. And I suppose it did happen quite organically after sort of years of working for other brands. You know, there was a real light bulb moment where I was like, well, hang on a second, First things first, how do I dress? How do I shop? You know, surely there's other women like me who actually don't really buy that much, kind of do tend to wear, you know, the beautiful essentials every day, sort of want something a little bit different to my essentials, but I still want them to perform for me and function for me every day. I love the idea of being able to, I quite often think if I'm packing a suitcase, what are the 10 things I want to put in that suitcase that I know are going to answer (laughs) all my needs when I'm traveling, you know? So I think I quite often think about that when I'm designing. So that really kind of became the starting point for SA and this whole idea of capsules. You know, I love the idea that we do have these sort of 10 or so, 20 or whatever it is, pieces in our wardrobe and they're actually everything that we need and they all work together. Mm. So then it was this whole idea, well, actually I do tend to wear the same thing season after season. I don't believe in this idea of investing in something and it becomes, I get sick of it in a minute. I just, I don't really shop like that anymore. So I do like the idea of buying new things, but they actually really work with what I've already got. And I think it is about kind of reinvigorating those pieces in your wardrobe. So everything all kind of came to a bit of a head and it was like, oh, hang on a second. This is kind of it. 
<laughs> but then the idea of additions was really about, you know, kind of I suppose bucking the seasonality of traditional seasons yeah. um, and not having seasons that just are out there and then they go on sale and, uh, and really encouraging customers to like buy into something for a period of time and then discard it mm-hmm. and replacing it with something new. There's nothing wrong with that dress that you bought a year ago, you know, and you should be investing in things that you can wear you know, again and again, again, and, again, again. Yeah. and um and making hopefully making clothes mm. fingers crossed that do last yeah <laughs> and they don't fall that. apart well on that <laughs> on your site I noticed that you're very transparent about each piece and where the material comes from and where it was made it's very rare <laughs> all around the world mm. why so transparent and the question there is it's not I don't say that from an industry perspective. I want to know about the transparency for the customer. Like what's the feedback that you've had? Like is that important to women? Are you um, – do they talk about that? Look, it's funny. Some women are interested in it, others not. I think it's more for me – it's important for me to talk about, to actually try and encourage people to question and to their own sort of, you know, investigative journey on it. I think for me it's just really about – trying to encourage us all to appreciate the value in every single piece. Like there is a lot of blood, sweat and tears that go into Italy and then it got manufactured in Australia. Totally. And it was a, and it was fit like three or four times and resampled to get it really right. And, you know, and then you first buy fabric and then you, you know, you buy fabric and maybe it's not right. And, you know, just this whole idea of kind of encouraging people to look at the journey of the garment. Of the yeah. garment. So, yeah, I think that's just really important to help mm. encourage more value in each piece. Mm. You know, I'm really passionate at kind of opening up the can of worms on on that, going back to that whole idea of the engine room, you know, yeah. how many people that were actually involved in the process and how long that process took and the labour. And I guess um, that probably speaks to price point at some point, doesn't it? To of say course, like, yeah. If I'm staring at something that is $300 mm. and I have that information in front of me to say the fabrics from here was made here, if I have this understanding of the ethos of your brand, mm. I'm much more willing to pay that price. I guess there's that's just good. To me, what's coming up is that's pretty good strategy. It's <laughs> 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 not your intention. But I feel like from a customer standpoint, I now understand the bigger picture and therefore I'm willing to invest in that. Totally. Yeah. And it just goes back to this whole yeah. idea of educating customers yeah. really. Like, you know, people still, you know, sort of say, oh, that's quite an expensive dress. And it's really... What are your price points out of interest? I mean, they do vary, you know, anywhere upwards, depending on what it is, upwards from sort of 300 to 1,000, totally depending what on it what is. it is. But I think it's really important to talk about that stuff. You know, this fabric is from Italy. It is made in Australia. Or actually, the fabric is made here in Melbourne, mm. which is something that I talk a lot about. Uh, there was a large portion of Edition 2 that was actually the fabric itself was made in Melbourne. It's a mill that's 90 years old. It has very specialised machinery to be able to produce this incredible fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I get it from Melbourne to Sydney and you know, I work with my machinists in Sydney to produce it. It's labour intensive. Mm. So that isn't a cheap process. Um, And I think it's really about, look, there's going to be people who don't want to spend a certain amount of money, sure. But then also by the same token, you want to balance it out. You don't want to make it 
super duper expensive either because you still want people to wear it and feel they can live in it. I mean, I'm really passionate about clothes that you are actually comfortable in. I mean, mm. if I spend a lot of money on clothes, sometimes oh, yeah. I get scared to wear it and it I'm sits totally, in my cupboard. And what's yeah. sustainable about something that just sits there mm. and doesn't get worn? And this is what comes back to that, like how do you stay true to building? It's not really a question, just a statement to say how do you stay true to building uh, an ethical business, but that's a viable business mm. because mm. obviously your profit margin drastically decreases mm. Mm. as mm. you try and hit that affordable mm. price point while mm. doing it in an ethical mm. way. Mm. And I think that's the compromise mm. founders like yourself mm. are making is to say like, mm. could you be making more money? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. A lot more money. Yeah. Actually, yeah. yes, you could yeah. be. But your choice and that's the thing we all need to be brave enough to do is to make that choice for ourselves to say, am I going to contribute to that or am I going to participate in being part of the totally solution? Yeah, um, it's a real balance. I read that essay is a symbol of progression combined with a timeless femininity. I shared with Charlotte that the intersection of feminism and design came up for me when I read that. I wanted to know if that was her intention. You're designing, yes, we can be feminine and be these, mm. you know, deeply feminine women in the world, but also the clothes that you're making stand for progression, progress, putting us at the front, mm. dressing us in a way that mm. makes us feel empowered, mm. confident. Mm. Mm. We value ourselves more because we've invested in a valuable product, all of those things. Totally. And I think, you know, it's sort of like first things first, you know, the brand itself, SA, came from both sort of essence and essentials because I really loved the idea of going back to the craft itself and, you know, the technical side of things, the things that I love about what I do, the craftsmanship. So, you know, there is really that kind of hark back to the timelessness of the craft but also the timelessness of style and and the pieces themselves and the classic pieces but then this idea of progression and you know designing clothes that sort of have that edge that's the aesthetic in itself but sort of that runs parallel to that is obviously the you know the women I design for I think they themselves encapsulate that I think about her and the essay woman all the time I think she is the personification of that kind of timeless femininity, but she's progressive and she's real and she's modern. And so it is really about creating clothes, you know, chicken before the egg. It's all kind of, you know, wrapped up in one little parcel, but, you know, creating clothes that is very much for her and her needs, but also, yeah, definitely standing for that as a brand, that beautiful balance between old and new. So offline mm. exists as an exploration of self. <laughs> as you know, you are a beautiful listener of mine and it's worth pointing out you came to my first event. I did. Yeah, and you came I up did. to me after and told me how valuable what you thought I was doing is and yeah. I'll never forget that. So oh. to be here with you now is very full circle for me and I do think that this has happened a lot with offline where mm. the people who are very close to it remain quite close to it in mm. this yeah very mm. roundabout way and remember in that same week or whatever we turned up at the same event yes. as well and we were like oh yeah that was that bold women event it was yeah. like it sort of was a weird we were just meant to be you yeah. and I yeah um which just makes this all the more beautiful to be able to celebrate what you're doing oh, thank in the same you. way that you've thank celebrated you. me yeah definitely um, so as you know 
this podcast is about who are we without all of this though, actually. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and when you're sitting in your true self mm. outside of this award winner mm. now mm. and outside of essay and mm. and the label and, you know, your stance on sustainability because that will, you know, and is becoming a brand for you in a way, mm. you know, mm. part of your personal brand. Mm. Without all of that, mm. when you're sitting in your true self, mm. who are you and what comes up for you when I say that? Oh, God. I kind of knew this was coming. Should have been bloody ready. I know, I know. And you sort of are to a point. I am just at my core, you know, I'm a really inquisitive person. Like I love the world around us. I love really learning about the world around me. I also really love learning about myself as well. So, you know, I'm always definitely sort of ears and eyes open all the time, kind of hyper aware person and kind of very much aware of the people that are really close to me as well. But ultimately I've kind of said it a few times, you know, I think that, you know, being there for the people I love, the family around me, the friends around me, my beautiful other half who is also on his own journey, you know, that to me is what's real and what matters the most. So, I think, you know, working on yourself, um, being so aware of yourself um, and your journey and, you know, hopefully being there to help the people that are really close to you on their journey, that is probably when I feel most myself. Got to lift them up. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. Totally. Thank you. Thank you. For being on my podcast. In the front window of David Jones. (laughs) It is so. I don't think we ever thought we would say that. No. We're always going to sit down, of course, but not here. I did not think it's quite real as I'm sort of standing here looking at you. I'm also looking at a mannequin wearing some of my stuff. This will be one for the history books. It will be. I think, definitely. Thank you for your time. No, well, thank you for having me. I mean, I think also, you know, just want to say that for me to be sitting here and chatting to you is really, really special. You know, I do love what you do and everything that you stand for. And I did follow your journey, you know, right when you started, when you, we took the leap, I think at a very similar time out of something that was big and decided to do this for ourselves. And that really resonated for me. You know, it's a very vulnerable place to be. And I feel like I did looked to you and pulled strength from you and what you were doing when I was starting sort of, I guess it would have been, I don't know, a couple of years ago now, 18 months ago, a year or so ago. So it's a real privilege and honour to be sitting here, my love. You're kind (laughs) and I appreciate you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Offline. You can find more episodes at offlinethepodcast.com or by subscribing wherever you like to listen. If you know someone who would benefit from hearing these honest conversations, please share offline with them.